Isaiah 44, verse 24 through 45, verse 8. These are God's words. Thus says Yahweh, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am Yahweh, who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives diviners mad, who turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolishness, who confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers, who says to Jerusalem, You shall be inhabited. To the cities of Judah, You shall be built, and I will raise up her waste places. Who says to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up your rivers. Who says of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure. Saying to Jerusalem, You shall be built, and to the temple, Your foundation shall be laid. Thus says Yahweh to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, Yahweh, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. I am Yahweh, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am Yahweh, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, Yahweh, do all these things. Rain down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, let them bring forth salvation. Let righteousness spring up together. I, Yahweh, have created it. Amen. Thus ends this reading of God's inspired and inerrant word, in which the Lord shows himself to be the only true God, the creator God, by being the only true God, the redeemer God. And so he says, thus says Yahweh, your Redeemer, the only Redeemer of God's elect, is the Lord. And he has redeemed us in and by the person of his Son, who became man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so the Lord is the one uh, who declares the end from the beginning. He did creation all by himself. That's the point at the beginning of the passage where he talks about stretching out the heavens. Who helped him? Nobody. So when it says wisdom was there at the beginning, when it says he created all things uh, by Jesus Christ, he's identifying Jesus Christ as Yahweh. He's not saying, oh, I made one creature who then helped me make all the other creatures. Uh, and so uh, if you hear someone, even somebody who used to be an officer of your church, uh, saying that Jesus is just the greatest of all creatures and has a divine-ish glory. He is disagreeing with God. In Isaiah 44, uh, 24 through Isaiah 45, 
and verse 8. He stretches out the heavens alone. He spreads abroad the earth by himself. Uh, and so also the second work of creation, the work of redemption, when he creates righteousness from sinful men on the earth. He, he says, rain down you heavens from above, let the skies pour down righteousness. He's not actually talking about uh, righteousness being produced by atmospheric conditions. Remember what he said in the previous chapter. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants. And what springs up as a result in verse 8? Let the earth open. Let them bring forth salvation. Let righteousness spring up together. Just as in the previous passage, the result is they will spring up among the grass like willows by watercourses. One will say, I am Yahweh's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand Yahweh's and name himself by the name of Israel. And so the Lord demonstrates that he is the creator God by doing a second work of creation, and that is redemption. And so he uses the Hebrew verb for creating out of nothing, the very special verb that is not something that man can do. Man fashions for himself a God. He cannot create a God out of nothing. He can't create anything out of nothing. Uh, and so it is especially, this, this word is used especially of God and only rightly of God. Whenever it is used of man, it is not rightly used of man. Uh, but we have it here uh, twice in verse 7 and again in verse 8. Uh, I create darkness. I create calamity. I, Yahweh, have created it. Just in case there was any doubt about the darkness and calamity that was coming into the life of the nation of Israel, as if God uh, doesn't ordain the hard things. No, he ordains it to the point that he's willing uh, to own the good that he does through it. I create it, he says. He, do he doesn't perform evil. He doesn't do anything sinful. Uh, and yet, uh, he is so sovereign over uh, what even evil men do, that he does the good, he who is good, God who is good, does good through it. And so since God alone is the one who uh, does the work of creation and the work of redemption, uh, we are unable to learn about it from any other uh, any other source. You cannot trace back by examining the created stuff how it was created and when. It wasn't there when it was created. And so it can't give you the when, and it can't give you the how, uh, just also, as also men cannot invent or come up with on their own how God saves. And this is one of the reasons that the New Testament uses that language, the mystery of the gospel. Not that, you know, it's spooky and unknowable, but that we couldn't have known it unless the one who does it tells us about it. Uh, and so it is especially a mystery that has been revealed, whether it is the mystery of the gospel in terms of who Jesus is and what he would do and how that saves, or even as we have heard it a couple of times, that mystery word used uh, recently, we've heard it a couple of times in the Romans preaching uh, about God's plan for bringing salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile and bringing uh, other apostatized church members, in particular Israelites, uh, to faith by jealousy, provoking them when they see others saved. 
and he calls it a mystery because it's a plan that he had come up with and that we wouldn't know about if he hadn't told us. But he has told us. Uh, and so now we know. Uh, when man tries to attain to knowledge apart from God's world and apart from God's word, the Lord humiliates him. He makes his predictions embarrassingly fail. Whether those predictions come by uh, divining uh, or uh, or people who claim to have some sort of special revelation and they even quote-unquote do signs, or whether they're just wise men. And that's what he's describing here in verse 25 of chapter 44. He frustrates the signs of the babblers, drives the diviners mad, turns wise men backward, makes their knowledge foolishness. You either submit to him, and you draw your knowledge first and foremost from his word, and then instructed by his word, uh, are able to understand and interpret rightly his world, uh, or he is going to make your knowledge fall on its face, and you, who rest upon it, uh, on your face as well. However, he confirms the word of his servant. He performs the counsel of his messengers. And he did that. He did that with uh, Jerusalem. It was inhabited again, and the temple was rebuilt again. And he even named Cyrus by name uh, hundreds of years, more than a hundred, almost 200 years, before uh, Cyrus ever came to power. Uh, and that's such a problem for the people who think that they themselves are wise, and they apply to the Bible the same sort of logic that they apply to stuff that they dig out of the dirt, and they play psychology, and they say, well, of course, this must have been later. They wouldn't have known the name of Cyrus uh, over a hundred, almost 200 years in advance. Well, the point of the passage is that God knows his name in advance because he's God. Uh, and so... Uh, as soon as you pick up a, a commentary on the book of Isaiah and it talks about uh, early Isaiah and late Isaiah and late Isaiah had to be after Cyrus, you know that you can just uh, do the appropriate thing with that and don't put it anywhere where somebody might take it. Uh, maybe use the leaves, the leaves of that book for uh, good tinder to get fires uh, started or something. But he names... Cyrus by name. And he uses Cyrus then as, a, as an image of Christ. Now, Cyrus doesn't know God, but Jesus knows God, although he does grow in wisdom. Uh, but he names him by name. He appoints him as a deliverer for his people. He speaks about him even in a similar way uh, as the coming of Christ was spoken about back in chapter 40 uh, with the crooked places made straight and the mountains laid low and the valleys lifted up. Uh, well, he uses that sort of language in verse 2. It uh, uses a cute little picture for him. Cyrus, the, the baby Persian king, whom God uh, takes by the hand. He says, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held. He, he takes baby little, you know, little toddler Cyrus, and he, he uh, subdues nations before him. Uh, other kings come and fight against him, and uh, the picture in verse 1 is the Lord going ahead of him and undoing the armor. So they go to, to fight King Cyrus of Persia, and their armor falls off, and they're exposed. Little baby Cyrus can take uh, take out this king. 
Uh, and oh, he comes to a city that has not just one set of, uh, set of doors, one set of gates. He has two sets of gates. One made of bronze and one made of iron. The, the Lord goes ahead of him and says, Oh, don't worry, little Cyrus. I will get that for you. And he undoes both of them. He cuts the bronze and he cuts the iron and the gates open up and the, the city is, is laid open for you. Okay. Now you can go in and take them, uh, Mr. Cyrus and, and shows him the way to the treasure room. You know, it's like having the first, uh, map reading software for a video game where you have all the secrets. And he just takes Cyrus to the secret treasuries and, the reason says that the the Persian conquests of these nations was so powerful, so unstoppable, was for Israel's sake. This tiny little ancient Near Eastern kingdom that was in the area of Palestine where the Philistines had previously been, yet they are the people of the living God. And so God says in advance, how Persia is going to rise, so that when Persia does, not only Persia, but everyone, from the rising of its sun to its setting, everyone who does real history and examines these documents and knows that this was written in advance will say, Aha, the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, is the one true God. And he is bringing salvation for all the nations, every bit as certainly as he raised up Cyrus and carried Israel back and caused Jerusalem to be rebuilt, and caused his temple to be rebuilt, which is a historical fact, and the fact that God became man to redeem us, and lived, and died, lived righteously, died atoningly, rose again almightily, ascended into heaven bodily, and is sitting and ruling the nations while his enemies are being made a footstool for his feet. It is a certain historical fact, and the Lord who created the heavens and the earth, who stretched out the heavens by himself. He is the one who has done this by himself. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness to us in uh, giving to us this portion of your word uh, that we might worship you in it. Help us, O Lord, to know you as our creator and our redeemer and to see this second work of creation as the greater. Thank you for anointing, appointing your Son, our Lord Jesus, to be our Redeemer. We praise you in his name. Amen.